You know what they say, a dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. And hey, you, maybe you have a dream. Maybe you are a person who'd like to take the internet and, you know, just put that up there. Just be like, it's me at my domain. Here I am. You can do it with Squarespace. Showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support. You can customize everything about the look and feel of your website. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Why aren't you doing it yet? Head to squarespace.com cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, fun adult. Do your palms sweat at the sight of a lengthy wine list? Do your eyes glaze over when people start talking about tannins, whatever those might be? Well, it turns out wine doesn't have to be scary or stuffy because you can join comedian and host Ben Schwartz. You know him from Parks and Rec. You know him from Jake and Amir. You know him from just being very funny online, at Rejected Jokes. He is a self-proclaimed wine novice who teamed up with Wine Dialogues to create The Wine Down, a new podcast that makes learning about wine fun. So listen along as they taste wine, share toasts, and crack jokes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you choose to listen. The Wine Dialogues is a project of the William Hill Estate Winery. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I am also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also going to share a quote with you from Andy Warhol. Also, a hat tip to friend of the show, Amy Nicholson. We will footnote an article of hers where I saw this Warhol quote. Uh, anyway, here it is. Quote, What's great about this country is that America started the tradition where the richest consumers buy essentially the same things as the poorest. The president drinks Coca-Cola, Liz Taylor drinks Coca-Cola, and just think, you can drink Coca-Cola too. End quote. I love the insightfulness of that there, and I think it extends to our backstories. Just like many quote-unquote regular people in the world have incredible tales in their past, celebrities who you thought were merely superstar actors, musicians, and more are also awesomely strange weirdos. Isn't that neat about being alive? I think so. Let's prove it by throwing you to our latest live episode about incredible celebrity origins and backstories. So please sit back or continue taming a lion, because Christopher Walken was doing that job, and then he quit, and somebody had to cover, and they were like figuring out the shifts, and you took it. Either way, enjoy this episode of the Cracked Podcast with our incredible panel of Matt Lieb, Jenny Jaffe, Carrie O'Donnell, and members of our live UCB Sunset audience. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming to the Crack Podcast Live. How are you? We have uh, an incredible panel. We also have an incredible topic, which is celebrities with crazy, bizarre origin stories or backgrounds or things in their life that you'd never expect. For instance, uh, here's the fable of Kevin James. Here's a tale of the comedian Kevin James. He was in high school in East Sawtucket, New York, and he was the absolute best high school wrestler on his high school wrestling team, right? He was just demolishing people in the heavyweight division, and he had like this sparring partner who was really just doing wrestling to strengthen up for lacrosse, his favorite sport, but just like this sparring partner that Kevin James would like crush in practice and then go to games and... And then Kevin James uh, hurts his back, and so he has to completely sit out wrestling, and he's like, well, I guess maybe I'll do something else besides wrestling. Anyway, sparring partner, you get in there. And his sparring partner was Mick Foley, 
who is WWE's mankind. Uh, he is a professional wrestler. Really just wanted to play lacrosse, his passion, you know? Uh, and so both of them were in high school together and were like paired in wrestling and have since become the King of Queens and uh, uh, Mick Foley. It's great. Uh, so tales like that, stories like that, that's what we're going to get into today. I think it's very fun. Uh, let's get our panel out here, right? Because I think that would be a fun thing. We're so excited to have every one of them. Uh, first up, he's a writer for the Star Wars show. You've seen him on AJ+. And he's a very, very funny stand-up. Uh, please warmly welcome Matt Lieb. <laughs> Matt Lieb, guys. Hey. Any seat. Any seat. Next up, we've got, uh, she's an amazing writer for so many different comedy things, including the Big Hero 6 TV show. Uh, please put your hands together for Jenny Jaffe. Jenny Jaffe, guys. Yeah. Hi, pals. Last up on the panel, he is a hilarious writer for um, the new Heathers TV show that's coming out soon, and he also co-created the Not Tilda Swinton Twitter account. Uh, please warmly welcome Carrie O'Donnell. Hello. Yeah. Thank Hi. you guys for uh, meeting up and talking celebrities. Wanted to, wanted to talk about up top, Jenny, you'd brought up yes. uh, the actor Woody Harrelson when we were prepping this. And I figured he was within Woody Harrelson bounds, a pretty normal guy. Uh, but it turns out he has a crazy childhood. Right. So I hadn't seen No Country for Old Men until somewhat recently. Okay. And uh, while we were watching it, uh, my boyfriend was like, you know, his dad was actually a hitman. And I was like, that sounds interesting. That's uh you know, a vaguely interesting profession for a dad to have. Uh, <laughs> we all have hitman dads. Um, so I Googled it. Not only did he have a hitman dad, he had a famous hitman dad. That's pretty impressive. Famous in, in hitman circles or famous generally in, famous? Well, so I his, can't name one off the top of my head. Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, is there you it. go. Well, yeah. speaking of Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. So his dad was just like a regular Joe hitman. Right. Just Working do, hitman. Yeah, you know, and he uh, he <laughs> murdered a. Uh, I haven't looked into what this means yet. It sounds like a Star Wars thing to me. He murdered a grain dealer. Ah. Does anybody know what that means? Nope. I thought You're it was like from the year 2030 after gas has gone exactly. away. Exactly. <laughs> water has been depleted. Oh yes, I have much millet yeah. for you <laughs> if you will allow me passage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Or like he's just like a baker. <laughs> um, but so he murdered some prominent grain dealer and he was wanted for this death. A prominent, again. Right. <laughs> In what circles are these people prominent? There's the, I'm, all right, I'm sorry. So he murders, <laughs> murders this grain dealer. Uh, while he's on the run, his name is Charles Harrelson, by the way. He goes on the run, I believe, with his wife at this point, Woody Harrelson's mom, and takes another <laughs> job. And he's already wanted from this first one. I think maybe he got bailed out at some point, but he's still, it's like still like a, like a Jean Valjean situation. Maybe that's what a grain dealer is. <laughs> the guy, like the guy who steals the bread and then hands it off. Yeah, and then there's a musical all around it. Yeah. Exactly. So he so kills, he kills, he kills a grain dealer, somehow gets pardoned, still is kind of on the run for it takes another job to kill a very prominent judge, uh, which is a thing I know what that is. Yeah. And that is important. And, There's uh, a lot of prominent judges. Right. Judge so he Dredd. Kill- <laughs> <laughs> Your judges, Dredd, yeah. Judy, yeah. Uh, uh, Reinhold. Reinhold, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
he kills this judge and at that point it's like okay he's on the fbi list mm-hmm. like everybody's sort of after not for him. the grain dealer they were just like well he wasn't quite <laughs> prominent enough right. right as a grain dealer right. <laughs> everybody still you know wanted the grain that he had justice looted. for grain dealer mm-hmm. right <laughs> at this point is like one of the most wanted people in the u.s and the fbi eventually track him down this is about 1964 uh, I know this because the way that he gets out of this FBI standoff, the FBI corner him, he's on like a coke bender. FBI corner him and to get out of it, well, yeah. he later says to get out of it. He says, I was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. <laughs> now. That'll, that'll get him in less trouble. Well, he said it because, Smart thinking. He said it because he was like, you won't kill me if uh. I know something <laughs> you want to know. Right. It's possible that he said this because he didn't want to die. But if you're a guy with a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. it's also possible he was the second shooter because he later claimed he was at the grassy knoll. <laughs> yeah. When the FBI questioned him, they were like, what exactly do you mean? And he was like, well, I was trained by the CIA. I trained Lee Harvey Oswald. And I was there at the Grassy Knoll to, like, supervise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was an interview with uh, Barbara Walters many years later interviewing uh, Woody Harrelson. And he seems to also believe this. He believes like, his dad was involved in the... Oh, like, Woody believes that... He believes that his dad may have been involved in the assassination <laughs> of, of JFK. But he also said he really wants him and his dad to be friends. <laughs> Which I find delightful. <laughs> <laughs> to take all this with a grain of salt, a friend of mine. Grains. A friend of mine worked on a movie with Woody Harrelson and said that he arrived with his own trailer, which was spray painted with a big Lisa Frank unicorn. And it, when he opened it, it just like of, of like smoke just like billowed out with him. So you know, it's like of course he believes it. Right. <laughs> But it's, it's a completely fascinating story. Wait, his dad is still alive, though? His dad died. So Woody Harrelson uh, very prominently was defending his dad and saying like he had not been given a proper trial yeah. for all of his many assassinations. There was another <laughs> story. He should get out on good behavior and was like sort of campaigning for a retrial up until 2007 when his dad died of a heart attack. Um, Man. Yeah, I know. But it's a, it's a great story. <laughs> if or it only- was the grain dealer's son. Who oh, somehow- shit. Came right. into for oh. a visit, right, at jail, and maybe... Yeah, it's called Doe Country uh. for <laughs> Old <laughs> Men. Yes. I was going to try and get another Applaud pun in there. Applaud that pun. Work. Applaud it. But... Good. The thing about all of this, I keep thinking... Yeah. This would be a great movie. If only there were an actor who looked exactly like <laughs> Charles Harrelson. <laughs> Woody didn't initially know his dad was a hitman when Woody was very, very young, and then, like, found out from a radio report about them, like, pursuing Charles Harrelson for justice. Like, while, the police while they were are after the this guy. together? <laughs> <laughs> like, just on the run? That's like, how it's going to be Daddy, is movie. that you? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> What'd you do? Did you kill another grain dealer? God damn it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, where did he kill the grain dealer? Like, in a silo? Well, or presumably. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just hide him there? Yeah. Like, on a farm at night, and he's just like, here's a sound. <laughs> yeah, just Charles like, Harrelson. I'll be right back, Millie. Yeah. Don't you wait up for me Don't now. Don't be long, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> he walks out and, like, pats one of the cows. So you can tell he's a good guy. Yeah. And <laughs> There's some disturbance. There's just a silo door swinging. Yeah. It's metallic. 
suddenly like just a cert- a light comes on and yeah. it's Charles Harrelson. Exactly. Okay. Chucky? I'm just trying to Didn't paint Didn't I sell scene. you a bagel today? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is a musical. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's called Do You Know the Muffin Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best hitmen are always whistling something right before they kill someone. Yeah. So, they have a signature. Yeah, he was whistling Do You Know the Muffin Man but right before he got him. They always let them monologue a little, right, before they <laughs> yeah. kill them. Like, it's only always, nice. Yeah, yeah. Or like, Some I solace. would be like, I, okay, I'll... I'll do a song and then I would just do like all of like uh, In a God of Vida or something. Right. Nice. Some like really long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just stall for as long as humanly yeah. possible. Just kill, kill some time right before you get killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of vamping in that situation. Yeah, I always think like for a last meal you would just be like, I just want three everlasting gobstoppers. <laughs> they can't stop me. <laughs> 15 minutes later, you're dead. Because <laughs> These aren't everlasting at all. <laughs> that Wonka's a lying fuck. <laughs> Are you sure you want those to be your last words? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially with Woody Harrison, like, I always think about so many famous actors, the story is like, oh, like, how were your parents as you were trying to become this famous actor? And many times it's like, they supported me through tooth and nail. They did everything good. And Woody Harrelson, it's like, my dad was out killing people. Yeah. But like most of the characters he plays are like weirdos who are too comfortable with guns. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So kind of makes sense. It does. Let's, uh, let's talk about some more celebrities here. Carrie, you brought up that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer has like, the most LA arriving yeah. in LA story. She has. Yeah. She's very LA. Michelle, three-time Oscar nominee, Michelle Pfeiffer, and also star of Tajillion on her 37th birthday, Michelle Pfeiffer. So Michelle Pfeiffer in the early 80s in Los Angeles was, unbeknownst to her, was in a breatharian cult, which is a person, a belief that a person can live without consuming food and just absorbing sunlight, like a plant. Hell yeah. And it's actually, remarkably, has like a large. Uh, following and so Michelle <laughs> in Los Angeles in Los yeah. all over the world but obviously in Los Angeles and, 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 and so and to be clear there's there's no food it's no. like we will just be yeah well there that's like you, you work your way up to that so it's like you start out with just like light breatharian which is like veganism it's so a juice cleanse it's like a juice cleanse and then you work up to just not eating but that's this like, makes so much sense yeah. I really do think that all diets are a cult they are <laughs> well no so she was in this she was attracted to this couple in the early 80s and they caught her on a weight regime and like weightlifting and a diet and she this is in an interview she did in 2013 and she she says they were very controlling I wasn't living with them which I loved that she made sure that we knew that but I was there a lot and they were always telling me I needed to come more so she starts paying financial dues and she's you know getting really into these diets and so I think like a few years into it, she's dating, or she was married to this guy, Peter Horton, who was on 30-something, and, which is also so 80s LA, I love this. And so she, he's doing research for a role about the Moonies, which was a cult, uh, the Unification Church in the 80s. I love Moonies. Yeah, I love Moonies too. Yeah. And, um, what are Moonies? It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> they like Moomin. Su- Reverend Soon Myung Moon, and they just like married oh, people yeah, in like stadiums, right. like in mass droves. It and they just like, come on up, you know, and it was like three people at a time. So it was just like really great, and everyone it's loved like it. It's like the opposite of a mass suicide. Yeah. Depending on your feelings it's, about commitment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is why this is so LA. So he's doing research on the Moonies. He's talking to an ex member of the Moonies, 
and he's describing brainwashing techniques and manipulation techniques of a cult. And then Michelle suddenly realizes, oh my God, I'm in a cult. Yeah. And I just think that's so LA that like your significant other is doing research for a role and then you realize that, oh wait, I'm actually in a cult. <laughs> so obviously she disbanded and now she's just straight vegan. So she's still like kind of treading in lightly in a cult. Yeah. But I also was doing research and Glenn Close was also in a cult. For, what? Uh, what cult? Uh, MRA, not NR. MRA. Men's, men's rights, rights activists. Activist? Men's <laughs> rights activists. <laughs> <laughs> she took that role in Hook real serious. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Knox and Hook. I really liked being in the boo box. <laughs> <laughs> she did. She was in. This was. I don't think it's men's. It's. But it, it should be. But it, it was founded in the 1930s, and they hated gay people, and like they just restricted everything you Glenn did. Glenn Close Glenn was Close. in a cult. I mean, that track. Gay right? icon Glenn Close. Obviously, yes. So she joined the her her parents joined the cult when she was seven, and then she left when she was 22, and then just completely rebelled and became an actress. Also, Glenn Close needs an Oscar. Yes, she doesn't have one. No, she doesn't, she's, ha- she doesn't have an Oscar. Six-time Oscar nominee Glenn Close needs this, again. That's this fucking is bullshit. Moral oh. this like circle right now is that Glenn Close and Michelle Pfeiffer need Oscars, and and then she'll change the name to and also Amy Adams to uh, Glenn <laughs> did it. Glenn did it. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Rose, yeah, Rose McGowan was in a cult yeah. as well. But I think that was. Because I, th- I think there's a difference if it's like you were an adult who got kind of roped in or right. you were like born into one. Right. Some yeah. people are Glenn and Michelle right. were interesting to me because they were like low key. I was in a cult like Rose McGowan and they were all in Children of God, like Joaquin. And yeah. so it was very like public. But there's they a were lot of L.A. cults. This yeah. town breeds cults like fucking crazy. Right. Right. We're not like pivoting the show into and also Scientologists. Like it's just like a given. Like yeah. we don't even right. need to touch that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like the obvious one at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. That's the, like Scientology is basic as fuck comparatively. Yeah. <laughs> no, or Scientology. Yeah. Like yeah. what the Scientology fuck are you doing? fucking who cares about aliens? Some people think they're plants apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if you think that plants are people, then grain dealing is human trafficking. Right. Whoa. So, this is, <laughs> so this is, that was just to say that like Charles Harrelson was, should be absolved. This, this yeah, my that's, thing that's about, the plat, that's the hill I'm willing to right. die on now. <laughs> no, this is going on the internet. We can erase that, right? <laughs> James Lipton mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. the host of Inside the mm-hmm. Actors Studio and, and he has a cameo on Arrested Development and mm-hmm. other stuff. And you found footage of him talking about being a pimp. Yeah. James Lipton was a pimp. That is a true thing. Yeah. It was after the war. (laughs) After the war? Which? Which war? He doesn't explain. The war. No, it was, I think, after World War II. It was only a few years after the war, he said. He went to Paris, and, you know, he couldn't get a job. And he made some friends with some women who yeah. were prostitutes. He was like hanging out in Paris, just that what they call it. Yeah, well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he was just friends with them. And he, he, he said multiple times, like, we were, just, we were just friends, we were just hanging out. The which, more a man says that, the more you know it's true. Right, yeah. 
No, I believe it. I, there's, there's no way that he just he didn't. He's never looked fuckable to me. All right, so <laughs> hold <laughs> up. No. <laughs> Are we talking about the James Lipton? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he said when he ran out of money, he told the one of the prostitute friends, uh, "I have to go home." And she said, "No, you don't. I'll arrange for you." So she arranged for me to be basically what's called a Mac. Which is different from a pimp. Yeah, and you were reading James Lipton's words just then. Those are James uh, Lipton's words. He says, uh, the French Max didn't exploit women. They're different in pimps that they represented them like agents. Which is a pimp. I'm 100% (laughs) sure there's no difference between that and a pimp. Because, yeah, he insists in the interview that he was not a pimp. He was a mackerel, or mac for short. Right. A mackerel? Which is... It's a French yeah. word, and they shorten it to Mac, and I'm pretty sure that I've heard the word Mac in, in rap songs, oh. like yeah. Return of the Mac, and I'm pretty sure it's the same word as pimp. But, it, you know, it could be different. It could be different. I don't know. It seems like an, uh, someone who is an agent and, and gets prostitutes' jobs sounds exactly like a pimp to me, but I've not, I'm not but been it, in the game very long. It led him so nicely into his next career because he was like, tell me about your role as woman who enjoyed that sexual encounter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why he refuses to take the moniker of pimp because he looks like he should have a hat and cane and he doesn't. Well, like he, when, you, yeah. when you look at him, he looks, it's like, oh yeah, this actually makes a lot of sense. Well, he's also, he's crazy bold about, because like he told people this. This wasn't like investigated or something. What Adam year was this? It came out in it's like. like the 50s or something, what? right? Yeah. Oh, you mean the pimp business or when he told no, people? No, this is like, was this from like the this early This is like the, the 50s. The, oh. the, the 1950s, yeah. he was a pimp in right. uh, How old in is he? And then, yeah. Yeah, he's, I know that's... He's, actually, he's in he's his like 90s. 100 he years old. Is? 90s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that, he is? James Lipton's in his 90s? Yeah, early 90s, yeah. And he told this story. You found it. It was. A, he told it on CBS this morning, yeah. which is like a standard morning show for like regular people. And so they're just cutting to this interview of him being like, "I was not a pimp." Yeah. It's very Whoa. fascinating. Yeah, it's really wonderful because uh, you know, uh, my dad also had multiple careers. You know, like <laughs> like he was. Uh, he owned a, a sandwich shop. And then he grain became a dealer, sure. Yeah, and then he was a grain dealer and then, <laughs> and then he became a high school teacher. So, you know, he also grain had... dealer. <laughs> oh my god. How long did he do that for? Uh, pimpin? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think he did it for for a few years. I remember it, it was yeah. a short period of time. Um, did, that's like, a, that's like a going abroad story gone wrong. Like, or gone horribly right. Or gone right, yeah. It depends on how you look at it. <laughs> in the interview, it's great because like, he, he basically, he wouldn't pay for sex when he initially met the prostitutes. And they wouldn't fuck him for free. <laughs> and it was like, so we were at an impasse. And it's like... <laughs> He insisted on befriending, which I feel like is really, that's, that's, that's nice. Although wow. I think his angle was like, if I become friends, then eventually they'll fuck me for free. You're describing which is, the fra- strategy of like all college freshmen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, Can you imagine if he was just, fr- if he wasn't a pimp because he was friend zoned the entire time? He was just like, if I just, if I, if I do this for long enough, they'll fuck me for free. Yeah. Oh, 
And I still love that like he was telling this story on CBS in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So like I'm just imagining lots of peop- very nice people like ironing in their house and yeah. just the TV is about <laughs> yeah. like this crazy Parisian sex story. He's just, like, I, what's the going fuck? on? <laughs> what's what's great. crazy is the story didn't come out until 2013. Vanity Fair apparently <laughs> was doing an interview with him and it was the first time that anyone ever found out about this and it's it's sad oh, because like he's like well no one ever asked <laughs> I, i'm always I the always, one who asks the questions no one ever asked me a question right let's all talk about who, who knows of douglas adams the writer douglas adams oh yeah hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy all right um so you would think he's mostly famous for being a writer right but he in 1976 apparently was broke and he's also a very big guy. He's like six foot five, and he was 200-something pounds at the time. And so he was briefly a bodyguard for the royal family of Qatar, which Whoa. is uh, a, a large country in the Middle East. And he was their bodyguard while they were in London for a time. He would just stand outside their hotel room and like watch out for people. <laughs> and they were being guarded by the Hitchhiker's Guide guy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's because he's really good at not panicking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a solid six out of ten clap right there. Uh, you yeah. know what else though? He owned one of the first two commercially available Macs in the UK. Oh, really? The other one was Stephen Fry. They were they're huge Apple Man. nerds, and uh, oh, I thought we were talking about Mac pimps. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he owned oh. one of the first Macs. No, sorry, he owned one of the first. Apple Whoa. personal computers in the world. Well, and also he, uh, he did this bodyguarding work in 1976, and apparently he'd thought of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy after a trip in 1971. Mm. So I like to think that he was standing outside yeah. their hotel room thinking of like, oh yeah, don't panic. Like that was where he came <laughs> yeah. up with the whole book. You know? <laughs> uh, speaking of tough people, uh, Carrie, you, you brought up Liam Neeson, who yeah. we all know now as, as like action dad in all films. He uh-huh. really kicks ass. Uh, But he's been kicking ass forever. He has. Before he was an actor, he wanted to be a teacher in Ireland. And then he moved to England and was at St. Mary's College. And while he was TAing there, he got fired because he punched a 15-year-old in the face. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, one of his excuses is, he said this in an interview a few years ago. He goes, he was a big guy too, about 15 years of age, which I don't, like, how large is this (laughs) 15-year-old? British child. Like, Liam Neeson's a large dude. He's like 6'4". Yeah. So like this guy... Right. Anyway, so he, the guy pulled a knife oh, shit. in class. Wait, oh, the kid, class. the kid? Yeah, the pulled. kid. Not, right. No, Liam Neeson pulled... <laughs> don't you fucking I'm, move or I'll fucking guy. slice your throat. I don't know why. I assume that's an Irish accent. Yeah. He pulled a knife in the class and Liam had, Liam had to think fast and he just squared off and punched him in the face. That's a less <laughs> crazy story than I thought it would be. I thought it was just like the kid got an answer wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it gave him an appreciation. For, like he learned to appreciate teachers after punching a child in the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, a, a hard job. Right. Yeah, it's a real hard. My dad was a high school teacher. He he had to, he's punched so many kids, man. That's just part of it. That's what you got to do. No, he doesn't punch yeah. kids. I'm just playing. He's retired. He's retired. Right. Now that he's retired, he doesn't. Well, now that he's retired, he does legally. 
<laughs> but this got this is what he got fired from that like very yeah. quickly. He's like which, cool. Act. I'm like are, I'm surprised that he was fired so fast because this was probably in like the 70s or 80s and like oh anything goes right yeah, anything yeah. so that well it's a, just a sign of a that's a weak teachers union right, right? there <laughs> you just fire a teacher for punching one kid fuck them <laughs> LAUSD would have no teachers yeah. if that was how it was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but so j- was his genuine trajectory like? Yeah, he was. Yes, I'll, I'll be in Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> After that, he fell into. A- well, he also he fell into. He acting. fell into acting. He also lived with Helen Mirren. Really, romantically. She, she got him her agent, I think. Oh, like she was represented and then yeah. set him up. That's so awesome. That, that like that's how he really fell into it. But he was also wanted to be an actor because he was. Uh, he used to go into sermons by Anne Paisley, who was yeah Northern Ireland's like. Billy Graham, and like oh, he, ha- he also hated gay people. He said that he just was posturing so much, and his he just seemed yeah. so full of shit that it made him want to be an actor when he was like thirteen. So huh. I love a very cynical Irish tween being like, <laughs> someday. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because he he grew up in Northern Ireland, and then during uh, the Troubles. Yeah, which See, yeah, I know the names of things, <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, very violent and bad. Mm-hmm. And Liam Neeson grew up Catholic in Northern Ireland, and then Ian Paisley, the like hardcore Hated Protestant Catholics. unionist, yeah. Im- impressed him so much that he was like, "Oh, I mean, the way that guy does his shtick, you know, I should be an actor too." Yeah. So yeah. somehow, like his the shtick? conflict of the troubles created Liam Neeson's acting career and punching a fifteen-year-old in the face. And <laughs> a kid, yeah. I wonder where that fifteen-year-old is now. Well, our next celebrity. (laughs) (laughs) Support for today's show comes from our longtime friends at Squarespace. They are a brilliant company. Why is that, Alex? Well, they said, hey, the people who listen to the Cracked podcast, the people who read Cracked, they're just like elevated humans. They're really, really, really neat. And they could use websites to show that off. And not all of them have one. Even some of them who have a website, you know, they could probably use a better one. And we at Squarespace, oh, man, look out, man, because we have the best templates. We have the best setup. We have the best support. We can make those dreams a reality. You can customize everything about the look and feel of your site. You can build it from a template by a world-class designer and then make it your own. It'll be optimized for mobile. It'll have analytics to help you grow it in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. It couldn't be easier and more fun to build yourself a personal website. And did I mention support? I think I did. They have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team that is there to help whenever you need it, if you do. So head to squarespace.com slash cracked for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cracked to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cracked, offer code cracked. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Can't imagine fitting anything else into your life? Well, with Talkspace, therapy is as easy as sending your therapist a message. Get something off your chest whenever you need to. You can talk about everyday challenges at work or at home, just chat about life. All you need is a computer with internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and you can improve your mental health. Having a therapist provides you a designated person for you to talk to who is trained to listen and help you make positive changes. Doesn't that sound good? Well, the Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. So if you want to match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com cracked and use the code cracked to get $45 off your first month and you can show your support for this show. We'd really appreciate that. That's cracked. 
and Talkspace.com slash Cracked, C-R-A-C-K-E-D. You can read it right off the logo. Jenny, you found this thing. Uh, who knows who Kate Mulgrew is? Kate Mulgrew from Star Trek Voyager and Orange <laughs> is the New Black. She's Captain Janeway and Red on Orange is the New Black. And yeah. uh, she was born with uh, what's known as rare natal teeth, uh, which means that she had a full set of teeth when she was born. And not only that, they were translucent and blue. And uh, as if a baby with a full set of teeth isn't enough, <laughs> she also was born without the ability to feel pain. So until the time she was four years old, her parents had to keep her in a cage so she wouldn't get out and harm herself or bite right. herself <laughs> with her yeah. big blue clear teeth. <laughs> I know this is, it all sounds horrifying. We all know she turned out okay. It's yeah. a little funny. <laughs> She's doing great. Like, they did a good job. She didn't... But also, I mean, we were talking backstage about... That means that at some point when she was four, she just, like, stepped on something and was like, Ow! 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 Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, figured it right. out. Also, figuring out if a baby can feel pain or not seems... Cumbersome. They yeah. brought in Liam Neeson imagine? to do yeah, it. Yeah, they brought in Liam Neeson. <laughs> 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 so she was in like a kennel for most... So they put her in like a... A crate? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, a, like, like, a, like a, I think it was padded. Like it was comfy. Yeah, it had to be comfy. <laughs> but... You okay, hon? Yeah. <laughs> Putting like the little like flap over it like that they have for puppies. <laughs> so what? she feels pain now. Yeah, I mean, she says she does. But she's a very good actress. She's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> and her teeth are normal. So yeah. I think they fell out. They f- but like that's yeah. crazy. What if she still can't feel pain and is just like playing it off And she just felt like her in. hand on yeah. the stove and they're like, Kate, you've got your hand on the stove. And she's just like, oh, ow. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. The pain. <laughs> Could she feel pleasure? I, that's a great question. We also may never know. What about emotional pain? <laughs> no. It was you, you couldn't hurt same. her feelings. She watched Bambi and she was just like, fuck that dough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was me until I was like 27. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of relate to that. This is a meeting. We're thicket. still in a meeting. Yeah. While we're on Trek people, because I want to do that. Do you guys know who James Duen is? He played Scotty on the original Star Trek. He, it turns out, is like an incredible soldier in the past. Like he, Before he was in Star Trek, he was in D-Day. Because uh, he's Canadian, he's not Scottish, but he was an artillery captain, and he was in the D-Day landing, and obviously he survived because he went into space. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was shot six times in the legs and in the hands, and the only scratch he had on him from that ultimately was he lost a middle finger on his right hand. And so, in close-ups on the original Star Trek of his hands doing stuff, it's usually a double because his, one of his hands missing a finger, it looks pretty strange huh. uh, without it. And weird. so he... In a show just, filled with aliens and blue people, they were like, no, nah, that's too fucking weird. We'll yeah, get a hand double. Like, get a double <laughs> They could have written a backstory. Yeah. <laughs> and he also... And then before D-Day, he uh, was not uh, totally in the Air Force, as far as I can tell, but he like borrowed a Canadian plane, and on a dare, he, they were like, I'll bet you can't slalom it through those telephone poles over there. 
and slaloming is like you go back and forth through each side very difficultly. And he just like went and did it with the plane and survived. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> he did this without a middle finger? <laughs> uh, he still had it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but so he's just like this incredible war hero and he's only known for like, uh, like playing the bagpipes in space, you know? Like it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you'd picked out uh, James Cromwell. Oh and, yeah. And do people do people know James Cromwell? He's the the farmer in Babe. If you if you know that movie, yeah. He's also it, a current badass, right? Yeah. He just he, went to prison again. He just went to prison. Uh, oh what? Well, I think jail, or uh, one of them. It's uh, yeah. Is there a like, difference? I don't, I don't, oh yeah, there's a oh, difference. Okay. One you're in for longer, and the other you're, <laughs> okay, cool. you're, one is a county facility, and one is uh, I think. But he, uh, and also in the, there's a thing in the past you picked out that's insane. Yeah, so he, yeah. Uh, James Cromwell, uh, was a Black Panther. Oh, you're familiar with Black Panther's political, yeah. okay. The organization. The organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. not the fictional <laughs> yeah, right. protector of Wakanda. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a, a six foot six white dude. <laughs> <laughs> He went to jail because uh, just recently because he's uh, he's like a leftist activist and he's always been an activist even back in the day uh, in the late sixties Cromwell a self described bourgeois white boy joined the radical Black Panther Party by becoming a member of the committee to defend the Panthers uh, and their focus was to free the Panther Thirteen who were all uh, because of. You know. They were all arrested for, I think it said, 156 charges. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, the group helped them get off of all of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he was one of those guys, which I think is badass that he went from that to, you know, the guy from Babe, because you know he hates cops. And, uh, <laughs> and I love the idea of, like, he coined the phrase, that'll do, pig, when he was fighting with the cops in the 60s. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I just like, I like, uh, you know, we don't see enough, you know, uh, Academy Award nominated actors, you know, getting arrested at protests. Well, this, he's also like a really like militant vegan. Yeah. Right? Like animal rights. That was the most recent arrest was an animal rights thing. Oh, this is another thing. Yeah. He He just keeps getting arrested. Yeah. This was like really recent. It was like some PETA rally or something. I don't, I don't, I just. Daryl Hannah, right? Isn't she always getting arrested for like climbing into a tree or something? Yeah. (laughs) Is that illegal? (laughs) No. That's that's like a Dennis the Menace thing. (laughs) You get down from that tree, Daryl Hannah. I will not. Never. (laughs) That's amazing. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's super badass. Uh, yeah. Actually, I think he is an, actually an Academy Award winning actor. I think he he's wait for what either L.A. Confidential. Oh yeah, uh, or yeah. Babe. Yeah, or Babe. <laughs> he might have won for. I'm, I'm, I might be wrong. Maybe that was just his big break. He played the Nazi doctor in American Horror Story. Yeah, it yeah. was a very good season because it was just him and Jessica Lange being crazy at each other. It's it's <laughs> it's crazy because uh, he's uh, you know he's way too tall to be an actor, but he just kept doing it somehow he fits so and one day they were just like we'll put him in a movie with a pig it'll work and then it did and now he has a career while we're talking about academy award winners uh jenny you picked out uh, i believe this actor's name is jack nicholson uh holy cow oh did you not know this i, it, I didn't know until this you is one of like the them, only yeah. things i think i knew about him was that he grew up believing that his mom was his sister and his uh the person who thought it was his mom was his grandma uh, but he, he found out late in but life. But he did right? find out really late in life. Yeah. This the wow. Case. I kind of expecting him to have a weird like. That's weird. That's definitely weird. But for him, like, if Woody Harrelson's dad is a fucking hitman, I was like, oh shit, Jack Nicholson's gonna be <laughs> fucked up. 
<laughs> when did? How old was he when he found out? I don't know. Actually, he, I, I think what well, you're saying was 37. Oh yeah, Damn. too old. And he and he only found out because he was either about to win an Oscar or just won an Oscar for Chinatown, and so the press was just like trying to find out stuff. Which, about by him. the way, if you guys have not seen. Chinatown. There's a very significant scene yes. of him trying to figure out if a Whoa. particular woman is the sister or mother of another character, and he did not know at the time that that was also a relevant thing to his life. Oh my god! Wait, can you also imagine if like she whispered it into his ear <laughs> at the press conference of the Oscar? <laughs> like he's about. By the way, the mom is like yeah. whispering in, and then he has to go do the press conference. He like wins the Oscar, and she leans over and just goes, "Don't forget to thank me, your mom. I mean, sister. Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> now is a good time to tell you. Let's look at a pair of people here: Cameron Diaz and Snoop Dogg. Mm. Uh, they both went to Long Beach Polytechnic High School, and they were one year apart. So they like she was a cheerleader, he was on the football team. And they knew each other, and they've also both kind of separately both said in interviews that it's most likely Snoop sold her weed at some point. Oh I, shit! Wait, I, actually, I read about this recently because there was a rumor that Selma Blair said that Cameron Diaz quit acting like a month ago, and I was like, no. "What? <laughs> yeah, I was oh like, no, this is not true." I, I think she quit acting before she started. It was. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Have you seen The Holiday? <laughs> it's half it's a good amazing. movie. It's amazing. It's like half a good movie. She was yeah, good right. in The Mask. I thought she was good in The she Mask. She was great in Vanilla Sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was she? Yeah. Remember that her famous line in Vanilla yeah. Sky? Yeah. I swallowed your cum. That means something. <laughs> this guy is vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Vanilla yeah. Sky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked that that's the famous line. Yeah. Did she say that he sold her weed or was it just like... That it's was a, the inference? It's a thing where, so if anybody remembers the show, Lopez Tonight, uh, uh-huh. Cameron Diaz was a guest on Lopez Tonight and chose an interview there to reveal, like, yes. He was like, uh, George was like, you went to high school with Snoop, right? And she was like, yes, yes, yes. And at the end of the story, she was like, he probably sold me weed, I guess. And then they had Snoop as a guest on Lopez Tonight, right? So worlds collide. And uh, then they play him the clip, and then he's like, yeah, like, like <laughs> so it lines up. That is kind of rad. Yeah, long, a Long Beach grain dealer. Yeah. What if it was like the other way around? Like Snoop was just like this very like uh, straight down the oh, middle, yeah, yeah, like yeah. good yeah. student. He was like, I'm not like I am not gonna touch drugs. Like, I, uh, and uh, Cameron Diaz comes along, just like want to hit, and like from then on, yeah. Cameron Diaz is like, Yo, you want to join the Crips with me? Yeah, she like uh, she led him astray. She led him astray. And Snoop's like, I can't do that. I have a modeling gig today. And she's like, I'll cover it. And then they just switch lives. Yeah, they switch lives from there. <laughs> Uh, one other one other coincidence one, and both of these are from uh, Eight Weird Ways Celebrities Were Friends Before Fame, which is an article on Cracked. So uh, the, the Nobel-winning playwright Samuel Beckett mm-hmm. uh, was living in France in the 1950s on a farm outside really? Paris. Really? Was he friends with James Lipton? <laughs> <laughs> so he, he had this farm, and he was living there, and he had a neighbor uh, na- named Boris Rusimov, who was just this farmer. And Boris was helping him build a cottage, and they just kind of got to know each other. And then Samuel Beckett, when he was like wanted a break from writing, he would get up and drive his pickup truck around, and occasionally he would like drive neighborhood kids to school uh, with his pickup truck, right? And so uh, Mr. Rusimov's son was very, very large. He was six foot three, 
208 pounds. <gasps> James at, Cromwell. At age, <laughs> uh, and that was at age 12. He was that big. Uh, he was at like an NBA shooting guard. He especially really liked getting rides to school from Samuel Beckett, because like, isn't that helpful? And then the child continued to grow into being Andre the Giant. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. Wow. So young future wrestler Andre the Giant was getting rides to school from the guy who was, I think the way the years work out, like in the middle of writing Waiting for Godot. Yeah. Uh, he was just waiting for Andre the Giant. <laughs> he was waiting for Andre the Giant. <laughs> and Samuel up, back and walks by and just goes, anybody want to pick up? And Andre the Giant was like, I can use this. <laughs> what were their, yeah, what were their conversations like? Uh, I want, back? Yeah. Do you want it back there? Do you want any gum? <laughs> I, I figure he's like an Uber driver. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> you want to play your music? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can charge your iPod. <laughs> There's a mini Poland Spring bottle right there if you want it. <laughs> so I don't know. They got together. Isn't that a great thing? Carrie, you picked out the very, very famous painter, Bob Ross. I mostly think of him as a painter on TV, but there's more. A very serene kind painter, but he was a drill sergeant in the military for 20 years, which I didn't know. <laughs> he was like full metal jacket Holy in, shit. in Alaska, and he was really scary and had to leave because it was spiritually taxing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was stationed, he was in the Air Force, he joined in 1961. Also, I didn't realize this, there was like speculate, this is what this said, but it was, there was speculation that he was a sniper in Vietnam. So They like, think that about everyone. Right. They, I swear to God, yeah. anyone who was, was really sweet in the 70s on TV. Like, they th everyone thinks uh, Mr. Rogers was a sniper. He wasn't a sniper. Yeah, so he, he was in the Air Force. He was working a desk job, and then they, I guess he had a knack for, like, instilling fear in people, so they had him become right. a drill sergeant, and, like, he was in the boot camps, and he was Make, you know, he was yelling at people to scrub toilets. He was yelling at them, to, you know, to make your bed in the morning. Right, and as he, Bob Ross does. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, it requires you to be a mean, tough person. And I was fed up with it. <laughs> which I and then, I guess during this time, while he was yelling at people, he was also developing an affinity for landscapes. So this, yeah. and plus, you know, the Alaska wilderness really motivated him to start painting for, like, soothing his, you know, yeah. fear-mongering. And then... When he left in 1981, he said he vowed to never scream again. And then that's why he did the joy of painting and was always kind of on like this blissful a monotone. Yeah. He just yeah. is now he's just an ASMR superstar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ASMR started here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people credit Bob Ross and the QVC for uh, ASMR becoming a thing. Oh. And yeah. and eventually HGTV. And eventually HGTV, which is House way Hunters more important. I love. Oh yeah. House Tiny is, House Hunters. Tiny House Hunters. <laughs> Those shows are all shows like what I imagine someone who just killed someone does to like chill yeah, out. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> there's like a body in the next room, and they're like, "All right, I just gotta like." Yeah. So they watch House Hunters. Yeah. Which is also really scary. It is a really stressful show. It's Will <laughs> they get the house? Yeah. Or and, and like the husband's usually gay. Uh huh. Usually, <laughs> Oh, a hundred percent of the time. The drama is, will she find out? <laughs> this, this long-suffering wife. Yeah, it's very sad. Because, like, he cares way more. I saw one where the guy won't move into the house unless the bathtub is right because it's the only place he can write his novel, like, in the tub. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, the, real, the realtor's like, all right, you're going to have to settle for, like, 
a king-size bath. And he's like, oh, you know, it just doesn't... I love the idea of the realtor just being like, be real, you're never going to fucking write the novel. <laughs> you're never going to finish it. Or have sex with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> the bathtub is an excuse. That's all that is. Right? Yeah. And the wife is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's We can snuggle. It's... <laughs> If you have a celebrity you want to pitch us, uh, that, that microphone's over there, go ahead and start to line up. Can I say one while they're... And, while yeah, while people are lining up, that, let's uh, talk about more of them, yeah. Christopher Walken was a lion tamer. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I don't know anything about it. There are pictures. He was a lion tamer. The yeah. lion. <laughs> <laughs> go over... The, the, hold on. Here's the problem. I can't do a Christopher Walken impression and I don't know what lion tamers say. Yeah. <laughs> It makes the, yeah. Don't do that. The impersonation is difficult, but you can make up both of those things. You know what? I went for it, and I'm proud of my decision. Yeah. Applause for the uh, the start of the impression. Thank you. (laughs) You're scary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kitty, kitty. Oh, roar. (laughs) (laughs) They don't roar. The light roars. Um, I, th- I think we got some people there to give us your name and, and then let's talk. Uh... Oh, hi, Lucas. How you doing? Hey, Lucas. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm Lucas, by the way. Uh, so I got two. I think I have to go with, I'm thinking either Jason Statham or Liev Schreiber. I think I, I got to go with Liev Schreiber because my band has this weird obsession with him. Like anytime Great. we see something that says believe on it, we cover up the second E and hashtag it be Liev. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Liev Schreiber was repeatedly kidnapped by his own parents. What? Back and forth between them. Oh, <laughs> so, Like a custody man. battle? No, no, like way fucking crazier than that. <laughs> so his mom was <laughs> some, every stereotype about hippies you could imagine, like every, just everything applied to Liev Schreiber's mom. She was just way into LSD. She used to hang out with William S. Burroughs. She like lived in communes and just very crazy woman. And his dad was from like a wealthy Jewish family, and I think he was a, a uh, he was an artist, but he came from like a banker's family or something like that. And I guess after one particularly bad LSD trip, Schreiber's dad tried to have his mom committed, and she just took little two-year-old Liev and just fucked off, and took off. And he had uh, uh, private investigators after them for years. He eventually kidnapped Liev into his custody. Wait, it counts as kidnapping if you take your kid back from kidnapping? I have no (laughs) idea. (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) It's like, no, she's been with the mom for two years. But but then they they had like criminal charges on his dad for having done this because she just just took took him and left and he found them living in like some commune in New York City or something, like outside of New York City. And so, he, <laughs> so his dad grabbed baby Liev when he was like three years old and took him back. And then by the time he was four, like it doesn't explain how he was back in his mom's custody again. Like she just got him back somehow, you know, like his dad stopped for gas and she was, just grabbed him and left. Oh, man. Uh, so eventually, by the time he was five, I think the custody battle was finally actually in the court. This whole time since he was one to five, it was just his parents being crazy. I don't know why his <laughs> mom ended up getting custody when she was the one who was like repeatedly institutionalized and had a history of just 
going on these crazy acid trips all the time, well, but somehow she, she ended up with him. Well, maybe she's rad as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay with mommy. Yeah. She has fun. <laughs> but yeah, so it was just Man. the craziest custody battle imaginable, and I can't... It's got to be a great movie. I can't yeah, I don't, there's got to be an awesome movie in there. It's like Catch Me If You Can, no, except it's... it's <laughs> Liev, horrifying. Leave me alone. <laughs> so is, dumb. Right there. You got to see. You can, you can go pitch that tomorrow. It does sound like a Naomi Watts movie, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I just did a Naomi Watts uh, double feature of uh, Book of Henry, which I watched twice in a row. We'll talk after this. <laughs> and then her other movie with Jacob Tremblay, where uh, she has a son who she thinks is a quadriplegic, but he's not, and he's terrorizing her secretly. Oh. What? And it's excellent. She's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great at playing... Uh, and is she married to Leah Schreiber in life? Is they were, yes. Do you remember that right? No, not anymore. But they oh, were, no, really? They were like Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell, just like partners. Oh, like man. heterosexual partners, which I love. I always and, get weirded out when people just call each other partners for like no reason i'm always yeah, like, like hello yeah. spouse <laughs> yeah well, yeah there you but go then, leaf driver crazy yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, Thank crazy you. round of applause for lucas for that yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Joel. Uh, hey, this is uh, Rod Starling. I pulled up the Wikipedia page. Twilight Zone, Rod Starling. Yeah, Twilight Zone. Yeah. Very Turns own. out his background super normal. Yeah, <laughs> totally normal. Uh, he, was, uh, he, was, he was stationed in the Philippines during World War II, and then it says, uh, he saw death every day while in the Philippines at the hands of enemies and his allies and through freak accidents, which took his friend Melvin Levy. Levy was delivering a comic monologue for the pl- platoon as it rested, rested under a palm tree when a food crate was dropped from a plane above decapitating him then it says oh, Sterling man. later set several of his scripts in the Philippines and used the unpredictability of death as a theme in much of his writing and then uh, later on in his life to make money he also tested parachutes in the United States that's so. the last Whoa. job I'd ever want <laughs> wait sometimes it's the last job you ever have <laughs> his friend was giving a comedic monologue at some people and they got get decapitated yeah they dro- like they were dropping supplies from a plane and it landed on him Yeesh, head off. tough crowd <laughs> <laughs> oh sometimes that's how you want to die on yeah, stage yeah. though sometimes i'm like just give me the food crate i tell you what though like if you have friends who are stand-ups like kind of a blessing <laughs> Right. The yeah. ultimate light. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Death, the ultimate light. <laughs> Joel, that's amazing. Yeah. It seems like Rod Serling basically saw someone get decapitated and was inspired to get into <laughs> his work. And Jenny had picked out Rebel Wilson. Oh, yeah. Who has an insane origin of why she decided to act. She uh, got malaria when she was a child and had a hallucination that she won an Oscar. No, which was like a teenager, I guess. She, but she was like, yeah. she had malaria and hallucinated that she won an Oscar and decided to become an actress. <laughs> yeah. And if that isn't great enough, she also has a sister named Anaki. That's all. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you just, someone decapitate me. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. Hi, I'm Nicole. Nicole, hi. Yeah. Um, so mine is that Leighton Meester was born in jail. So the story is that her mom, Connie, was arrested for helping smuggle 1,200 pounds, uh, 1,200 pounds shipments of marijuana out of Jamaica in 1983. Um, she did this wow. with Leighton's dad and Leighton's aunt. Um, so it was a you know family operation. <laughs> That's kind of lovely. I know it's yeah. sweet. 
Family business. Um, so the Meester gang. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so they were arrested. Uh, she's born in jail. Um, her aunt broke out of prison and became the first woman on the U.S. Marshals' 15 most wanted list. So overachievers in the family. <laughs> uh, and then her mom got out of jail 16 months later, but Leighton had already moved to the Upper West Side at that point to become Gossip Girl. So I knew that. That's yeah, amazing. That's such a, I think I saw her tell that story on Ellen once. That's a good place to tell it. Yeah, her crowd was like... (laughs) (laughs) Who did she live with, like, when she got out? I mean, it was only 16 months, so a year and a half. Maybe with the aunt on the run. Yeah. And they they were trying to fly thousands of pounds of marijuana out of Jamaica as, like, this big international scheme? No one will suspect that. (laughs) (laughs) What became of the aunt? That's a good the question. coolest aunt ever. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. This is now the one thing I know about Leighton Meister for sure. Well, she's married to the guy from the OC now. She is. Like, I've seen some Gossip Girl, and like, I feel like the attraction of watching Gossip Girl is like, can you believe one person is fighting with another person? And then meanwhile, in Leighton Meester's real life, it's, it's like, we're flying the drugs now. Like, it's like, <laughs> holy shit. That is the craziest show ever. It's I just, love Gossip It's just Blake Girl. Lively, like, not apologizing to people and then walking away from them yeah <laughs> and so it's 80 percent like lively walking away shots we've got we've got a few more minutes and a few more celebrities i think unless anybody uh, from the audience has more one uh one to pick out vidal sassoon uh what do people know about him hair, hair person. right mm-hmm. yeah so also when he was a teenager he fought nazis in the streets uh, Hell yeah. And like specifically British fascists, uh, because apparently right after World War II, there was a guy named Oswald Mosley who tried to start up British fascism. And uh, so then there was a group called the 43 Group, which was an organization of British World War II veterans who were like, not here, man. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh, but uh, a lot of them were older and a lot of them uh, had been through a lot of fighting and so they also recruited like younger people who were uh, anti-fascism and so Vidal Sassoon like fought with these people in the streets with his fists and like knives and stuff yeah Yeah, and he was also (laughs) we're probably about to make this you go for it you do your version oh man (laughs) you do this joke's gonna land on me oh boy it's it's terrible Uh, I was just gonna say because he was more offended that they were skinheads <laughs> and didn't shampoo their hair. Thank you. And that is oh, yeah. great. <laughs> we both. Hey. Thank. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Mediocre minds think alike. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he was he was like a teenager doing this. Yeah, he was seventeen. And he was actively in the streets fighting with people. And he was also going to hairdressing school as he did it. And so it was a thing where, like, apparently the hairdressing school frowned on, like, nighttime street violence by the students. And so he just had to, like, make excuses for his wounds and bruises and stuff at school. And they called it, you don't mess with the Zohan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! We're so in sync. This can never end. (laughs) There's also uh, uh, one other one to pick out here. Oh, well, Matt, uh, you'd picked out that... um, Oh, this is boring and stupid. (laughs) This is... uh, Okay, so Drake's uncle. Aubrey Graham. Thank you. What's that? His name Aubrey, Aubrey Graham. Graham. Yeah. His real name is so, His I, real name is Aubrey Graham. He played Jimmy on Degrassi, and that's the correct place to know him from. I don't I I didn't I didn't know that. I thought he Rick was Rick shot him in the back. He had a promising basketball career. Wait, who who shot him in the back? This was uh, the plot the show. of Degrassi. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> uh his uncle played bass. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like I got I got the pimp. Apologize. Okay. The pimp for... story is really good, and also <laughs> James Cromwell being a. But this way, yeah. So his his uncle, his all uncle, of our uncles play yeah. bass. No, but his uncle's really good at bass. All oh, right. Okay. Number one, his uncle is Larry Graham, uh, who was in Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, mm, he played yeah. bass, and he also was uh, the bassist for uh, Prince. That's a buried lead, dude. <laughs> you were yeah. just like, yeah, uncle. he's like in a Bruce Springsteen cover band, yeah. like well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly weddings. Uh, yeah, no, and then uh, he's a Jehovah's Witness, and he actually helped to convert oh. Prince to Jehovah's Witness. And the most interesting thing about him is Larry Graham invented slap bass. He was the one. He calls it a thumb and end a picking, but. <laughs> It's we all know it as the intro to Seinfeld, you know, the boom, 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 boom. like he invented that style of bass. And and I feel like uh, that's we should know him over Drake, you know, <laughs> I mean, because Drake, first, yeah. he didn't start from the bottom. Well, and because also his Drake's dad was a drummer in Nashville who played with Jerry Lee Lewis. And then he had three more uncles who were all the, the high records rhythm section that played with Al Green and like a bunch of other R&D wow. people. Drake's so uncles like, all were? Yeah, it was uh, Teeny Hodges, Leroy Hodges, and Charles Hodges, who were all brothers and also his uncles. And so like his every male above him in the family tree Are all is touring like, musicians. Would you like to be in the music industry? Wow. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really it, it. It's really it's not easy to be a touring studio, you know, a touring yeah, musician, yeah. studio musician. So they're all really, really talented. And I got to say, I keep thinking I don't like Drake. And then he comes out with a new song and I'm like, yeah, except for it's that one. And then it turns out, <laughs> turns out I really like Drake. I try. I don't want to because I know that he was a, a, a boy actor. And that's the thing. Something about when someone is already, you know, had one really good career and then they're like, I think I'm going to be the greatest rapper alive. And then they do that it just makes me sad. I was already a lion tamer <laughs> <laughs> folks that is the episode for this week my thanks to Matt Lieb Jenny Jaffe Carrie O'Donnell and the folks in the room on the night for exploring the stars some of whose dads confessed to killing JFK then just like took it back you know it's how it goes and hey you why don't you dive into our footnotes where you'll find all the fascinating stories we talked about today and in the Cracked articles we link, there are more celeb tales where that came from. So check it out. Also linking the MTV News article by Amy Nicholson where I found that Warhol quote from the top of the episode. The article, it's, it's amazing on its own. It's a piece about her going to the Bentonville Film Festival in Bentonville, Arkansas, an entire feminist film festival organized and run and put on by Walmart. Uh, it's a it's a trip. It turns out Walmart has a branded flavor of ice cream called Spark. Like it like it's Walmart flavor. You know what I mean? Anyway, did you like this episode of the show? I did too. So much so, we're doing another live one at UCB Sunset Saturday, May twelfth. It's a show all about bizarre secrets of the foods we eat every day. Tickets are on sale now at sunset.ucbtheater.com. That's theater with an R E because it's very fancy and cool. And don't worry, we've got a link to that in our footnotes, so you can get right there. And as far as this episode goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered and edited by Chris Souza. Special thanks to Eric Cohen, Jay Spaulding, and the whole UCB Sunset team. If you loved this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. 
That's right, social media, a thing that a future famous person might be signing up for right this second and just using for like weird memes. Isn't that going to be neat? You can find my Twitter account at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with even more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that enables you to improve your mental health from anywhere at any time. Get matched with a licensed therapist from over 2,000 choices and message them whenever you need to. No commutes and no judgments. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com cracked and use the code cracked to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. Talkspace, it's therapy for how we live today. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.